text. I'm going to ask you to take your Bibles. We've been studying this summer with the, the life of David, so we're in 1 Samuel, and we're going to continue there. We're at 1 Samuel today, chapter 22. So 1 Samuel in the Old Testament, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, Joshua, Judges, Ruth, 1 Samuel. So 1 Samuel, chapter 22, we're looking at verse 1 and 2 this morning. It says, David therefore departed from there and escaped to the cave of Adullam. So when his brothers and all his father's house heard it, they went down there to him. And everyone who was in distress, everyone who was in debt, everyone who was discontented gathered to him. So he became captain over them. And there was about 400 men with him. We want to have prayer again together. Dear Lord, I pray that you would continue just to allow your spirit to touch our hearts. Draw us close to you. Give us wisdom. Lord, help us to be able to be responsible for our lives, for our decisions. And so today, may you deal with us as individuals. And Lord, today, may your will be done in each person that's listening, that hears. And so I pray your blessings and guidance, and I thank you again for this time. In Jesus' name, amen. I tell you, this cave was probably something special for David in that uh, while you're a shepherd, it probably was a place maybe that he had, had been around uh, while he was shepherding. And, you know, I'm sure David missed those days, being a shepherd. It was stress-free days. I was reading where in Israel now, you could see in the landscape tents that dotted where people are there, there's shepherds today. Now, they don't have all the, uh, the up-to-date modern ways of living, and some people may think that they miss out. But here's something that's interesting. Their average lifespan, 100. <laughs> and you know... Some people say, well, it's because they don't eat preservatives and things like that. It could be, but it has a whole lot to do with stress. They work. They get up early. They work long days. But then at night, they're there together. They spend two or three hours together talking, sharing stories with family. And they go to sleep, and they sleep well at night. And then they get up and go at it again. David, though, has entered into a stressful time. It is a stressful time, and many of us can relate to where David was at. David, we, let's, let's first ask this question. Why was David in the cave? What was going on? Why did he have to go? To, this cave became a hiding place for him. And so part of the reason that David found himself in this cave is because here's, here's the first reason he was hated by the king. We saw a little bit of that last week with jealousy. Saul was very jealous. That jealousy turned into hatred, and he hated David. And so he wanted to kill David. And so because of that, David was on the run, and this became a hiding place for him. Now, let me just speak for a second about hatred, because we're seeing a lot of that today. But I just want you to take note of some things uh, about Saul and how we know it was hatred. In chapter 20, Verse 27, verse 30, and there's other verses. I could name several. We're not going to read those, but you can highlight those. But let me tell you what it says. Uh, there, he speaks of David, but he doesn't call him by name. 
He won't. He calls him the son of Jesse. Now, when it gets to the point where you will not call a person by name, there's something wrong on the inside. Saul would not call him by name. You know what? Because he hated him. There was hatred within him. Not only was there hatred because he wouldn't call him by name, here's, here's another point to be able to make. In chapter 22, if we kept reading, Saul meets with some of his men, and he is disappointed them, and he says, hey, you all are judging, have, have judged me and are against me. And he, he says this, basically, if you don't hate, this is the point, if you don't hate David like I do, then you are my enemy. So basically, David's a likable guy. Everybody likes David. And his men, he just gets them together, and he's basically telling them, you're going to have to hate him like I hate him. Chapter 22, you keep on reading. Let me tell you something else that happens. David had stopped in to see a priest. Now, he, didn't, uh, he wasn't honest with this priest because he didn't want him, him to get in trouble. Um, so, but he saw this priest, and he asked for some food. Jesus actually refers to this in the Gospels, and he gives David some showbread and eats it. But Saul finds out about it. He calls the priest in. And basically, here's what Saul, here's the point I want to make with this. Here's a third point. If He basically is implying this. If you help David, you help the person that I hate, then that means I hate you. And guess what? He had that priest, as well as 85 other priests, and everybody associated with them murdered. Because if you help the person that I hate, then I hate you. Isn't that something? Somebody is in need, and I'm not allowed to help them because you don't like them? That tells you there's a problem. There's a heart problem, and Saul certainly had unrepentant sin, turned into hatred, and then Saul... I mean, just think, he just got consumed with hate. He wouldn't speak David's name. If somebody wanted to help him, he hated him. If somebody uh, didn't hate him, then he, he ha hated him. D Saul said, speaking to David, he said, he maligns me. David never said anything bad about Saul. Saul was the one talking about David. He was doing the exact thing that he was accusing David of, maligning him. I'll tell you what, hatred, hatred also will blind you. You can't see anything else around you. You can't see people that are hurting. You can't see your own responsibilities. You're just consumed with hurting and getting at that other person. And that was Saul. David ran and hid in the cave. He, that cave became a hiding place because of the hatred. Now, we're living in a day and time where hatred is all around us. People hate. The United States is filled with hatred, and it's if you're not in the right political party, you're hated. If you're not in the right class, you don't have the right leaders. Listen, if somebody is in need, they're in need. If somebody is hurting, they're hurting. And as Christians, we're called to be different. We're not called to be people that hate. Now, I'm not saying you shouldn't stand up for what's right. We should stand up for what's right. We should stand up for what's for the truth. 
And it, it, it is a time where it takes a lot of courage to be able to stand up because as soon as you stand up, you're going to be hated. It is a, we're living in a hateful society. David, he found a hiding place because he was so hated. Here's another reason. He knew he was endangering other people. Now, I told you he had stopped, and he had, the, the priest had helped him, and then that whole priest, all of them, 85 of them were murdered. Can you believe that? Their families. When Saul first ordered it, his soldiers said, we're not doing that. We're not killing priests. But one guy said, well, I don't care. I'll do it. And he did it. David didn't want to endanger others, so he came to, found a hiding place. Here's something else. When you, before you get to chapter 22, David's trying to figure out what to do. And he goes to Gath. Gath is the place Goliath is from. That's enemy territory. Achish is the king. David's recognized. Why in the world he thought he could go there and not be recognized? David is recognized, and he soon figures out, I'm in trouble. And so they're surrounded, and David's trying to figure out what to do. And so David says, okay, I've got to do, do something, or I'm going to, my life's going to be over with. And so he starts acting like a madman. Saliva starts coming down his beard like he's crazy. And King Achish says, you know, I've got enough madmen in my court. I don't need another one. Get him out of here. <laughs> Get rid of him. And they let David go free. And so David has tried everything. He's gone in the wrong direction, and now he's gone back to this cave as a hiding place to be able to figure out what to do next. Do you know that there's some people you're going in the wrong direction? There's people that are looking for answers, looking for guidance, and so they've tried drugs. They're trying parties. They're going this direction and that direction, just searching, looking for something to help. You're going in the wrong direction. And many times you're just like David. You say, oh, I'm in trouble. I am. This isn't what I thought it was going to be. What am I doing here? You need to be like David and turn around and get out of there. And so David went to the cave as a hiding place. But it was not just a hiding place. This became a place of prayer. Because when he got in that cave, it became a place where he was alone, where he was by himself. We're living in such a fast-paced world. One of the things that's happening now is people have been able to slow down. We need to be able to slow down and be able to seek out God. Have you got a place where you can be with God alone? A field, a mountain, a closet? Remember Jesus said, hey, when you pray, go get in the closet. Closet, a place where you can be alone, where you can be with God. And that's what this cave became, a place where David could be with God. I'll tell you one of the things he failed to do. He failed to seek God in his will. So part of the reason, part of his problem with all the places he was going was he really wasn't seeking God. He really wasn't in the will of God. David now has a chance to say, you know, I'm going to have to get back with God. Now, you know, David wrote a lot of psalms. And so why he's in this cave, he actually wrote some psalms. Now, let me tell you something about the psalms. Psalms is almost like reading somebody's personal diary or sometimes. And so sometimes you read things, you're like, wait a second. I can't believe they said that. Well, I'll tell you why they said that, because they're being personal. It's personal prayers. And so David's being personal. And so here's some of the things that he wrote 
while he was actually in the cave. Psalm 142, it may have been one of the first things that he wrote uh, while he was there. And I'm not going to be able to read all of these psalms that I've got listed here, but uh, Psalm 142, let me just flip over here and just read a little bit of this so you can kind of get a... And at the, at the beginning of it, the headline, it says, A Prayer When David Was in the Cave. And look what David says. He said, I cried out to the Lord with my voice. With my voice to the Lord, I make my supplication. I pour out my complaint before him. I declare before him my trouble. Some people say, you know, you can't complain to God. When you pray, you can't say this to God. I'm going to tell you something. God already knows what you're thinking. He knows your heart. He knows exactly what's going on in your life. You might as well just be honest with him. And so David, his life's falling apart, and so he is honest with God, and he just begins to unload. Can I tell you this? God can take him. He's a big God. He knows, and he can take it. And David begins to unload, and boy, what a difference it begins to make. And so David goes on. Look at verse 3. He says, For the enemy has persecuted my soul. He has crushed my life to the ground. He has made me dwell in darkness like those who have long been dead. Therefore, my spirit is just overwhelmed. That's how he feels. He said, I am just so overwhelmed. My enemies all around me, they, they hate me. Verse 5, or, or excuse me, verse, uh, yeah, verse 5, he says, excuse me, I think I, I, verse 5, he says, look, I cried out to the Lord and said, you are my refuge, my portion in the land of the living. Attend my cry, for I have I brought very low. Deliver me uh, from my persecutors, for they are stronger than I. Bring my soul out of prison that I may praise your name. And so anyway, David is just calling out. He said, God, I want to be able to praise you. So that's Psalm 42. 142, and then also Psalm 57 is a psalm in which David most likely wrote while he was uh, uh, in this cave, Psalm 57. And, and now David was in the cave. It wasn't just a short period. He was there for, some people think, for months that he stayed. And so uh, in Psalm 57, and you'll notice that it says, in the heading, when he fled from Saul into the cave, he said, Be merciful to me, O God, be merciful to me, for my soul trusts you. And then one of the things you're going to start be, begin to, to see, especially as he gets down toward the end of this, for example, in verse number 9, he says, I praise you, O Lord, among the peoples. I sing to you among the nations, for your mercy reaches into the heavens, your truth into the clouds. Be exalted, exalted, O God, above the heavens. David begins to praise God. And so why in the cave? He, he begins to praise God. And listen, when you begin to praise God, things begin to change. What happens is, see, you remember how David defeated Goliath? It's because he did not focus upon how big Goliath was. His focus was on how big his God was. And as he began to praise God, it changed things. He began to recognize how great God is, how wonderful he is, and it just gave him a whole new outlet. And so then when you get into Psalm 34, which uh, is, uh, is another psalm then that David wrote during this time period, uh, David is really, in Psalm 34, some, he talks about in Psalm 34 about how the angels are encamping around him. Uh, he talks about how, um, you know, he just talks about how you can trust God, how God is there, how God helps 
helps his people. And so David, his outlook began to change. This cave became a place of prayer. And not only did it become a place of prayer, but listen to this. This cave became a place of, of welcoming. It became a place of outreach. And so we go back to our text here in 1 Samuel. One of the things that we see, David's family shows up. David feels all alone, and then all of a sudden, here comes his family. And his family had found out where he was at, and they come, and maybe they're there to encourage him. It could be that they find themselves in danger too. But his family shows up. Then the next thing you know, when you read this text, it's just amazing. All of a sudden, people that are outcasts, they start showing up. People that have uh, debt, people that are in trouble, that are outlaws, that are running, people that have just uh, been rejected, they all begin just to start showing up at the cave. How, how do they know David's there? I don't know. When it came to the ark, how do the animals get to the ark? God just let them. And I don't know how these people showed up, but they began showing up one after another after another. And I'm sure David had probably thought, you know, there's not many people in worse shape than what I am. And when you start thinking like that, sometimes God will open your eyes. And the next thing you know, you're seeing there's plenty of people that are worse than you are. And David began seeing these situations where people were running, their hopeless conditions, their brokenness. You know, it's kind of unbelievable how many broken, hurting people are around us. And here David was, they found him. And they said, you know what? We want you to be our leader. They had heard of all David's exploits, but they also heard he was a wanted man. And they came and they said, we believe in you, and we're here. Now, when you're in charge of that many people, that's quite a responsibility. And so uh, David, let me tell you what he begins to do. He begins to seek God because he says, God, what am I supposed to do with these people? He hears about a town that's close by that's being uh, attacked by the Philistines. They're in trouble. And so David, he seeks God, and he says, should I take these men and we go down and help these people? And the Lord says, you should. He said, well, we win. And the Lord said, you will. And he tells those guys, come on, we're going to go fight. And they said, why? Why would we do that? David said, we're going to seek God. If you're going to be with me, we're going to seek God. And then we're going to do what's right. And we're going to help people. And so all these group of men, rebels, they go out and help this town, and they win. They defeat them because David is leading them, outcast. By the way, I told you Saul killed all those priests. There's actually one that escapes, and he comes, and he shows up. He shows up there, and David said, guess what? He said, they're trying to kill me, and David said, well, they want me dead too, so you just stay with us, and you'll be protected. This became a welcoming place, a place of outreach. Just incredible. They end up having to, the Lord says it's time to move on. They have to be on the go and have to move a little bit. Well, let me just tell you some, some lessons then. Here's some lessons for us to be able to take home from the cave, okay? First of all, 
no matter where we're at, it's always appropriate to seek God. If life gets so hectic that you're not seeking God, uh, you're in trouble. You're going to make some mistakes. It's going to fall apart. We need to always take time to seek God. That's got to be our first step. You're in trouble. Seek God. David sought God and began to be in his presence and praising God. He was honest and praised God. Then he was able to trust God, and we need to trust him. It doesn't always make sense what the Bible says, but as we study his word, we need to be able to follow what God's word says. We need to be able to believe the word of God. We need to follow it, and that's what David did. He trusted. You know what? Helping other people will help you. Helping other people, you can't go wrong helping others. And as David helped others, it helped to heal him. Then we need to always do what's right. There's people around us saying, hey, we need to do this, we need to do that. David said, if I'm going to lead, we're going to do what's right. Now, I saw this week somebody had sent me a testimony of this lady, Iris Blue. Iris, she was from Texas. And she, uh, she basically, she had been in prison. She had had abortions. She had ran away from home when she was just a, a teenager. Uh, she worked in a topless bar. She, uh, she basically was a prostitute. Then she, as she got older, she became a pimp. She said that one of her, one of the people that frequented the place that she worked at became a Christian. So he came back to talk to her, and he said, you know, I like you. He said, and he tried to talk her into becoming a Christian. And so then one day she said, he just called me. He said, I'm in the parking lot. Will you come out? So she said, I came out. He said, I will never be back to this place. He said, I can't be. But he said, I do want you to become a Christian. And she said, you know, he had been talking to me about how much God loved me. And then, she, then he said this. He said, you know, God can take a tramp like you and make a lady out of you. And she said, I just wanted to smack him. But she said, as he began to talk to me, she said, that's what I wanted. She said, I wanted a second chance. I wanted to have my life cleaned up. And he said, all you have to do, he said, you just need to get on your knees and ask Jesus to be your Lord and Savior. And she said, I got on my knees, and he began to pray. And he said, dear Lord Jesus, he said, she, he said, he, she said, he almost made it sound like we was at a wedding. He said, Lord Jesus, here's Iris. She's a tramp. She has nothing to offer you. Will you allow your, will you wrap her in your righteousness and clean her up and accept her as part of your bride and into your family? You do? Iris, he Now, Iris, will you give Jesus Christ control out of every area of your life? Leave nothing out, every area. Receive his forgiveness and his righteousness. Now, will you? And she thought, I'm with a crazy man here. <laughs> but she said, that's what I wanted. And she said, I had tears running down my face. And I looked at him and I said, I do. And she said, you know what? It changed my life. The Lord, she said, I'd been searching for this. She said, I'd been in church before. But nothing worked. Religion doesn't work. 
but a relationship with Christ, with Jesus, it works. And Jesus Christ changed her life and delivered her. The answer to the problems that we have today is Jesus Christ. And just as he took that lady and turned her around, he can do the same for us. And just as all those outcasts were led to David, the Lord can take your life and be able to change you. Let's take a moment and let's have prayer. Dear Lord, I thank you for this day. The opportunities that we've had to come today. And Lord, today may you just remind us of our lessons. And Lord, as Christians, may you help us not to get ahead of you. But may we constantly seek you. May you help us to trust you and want to do your will. Help us to slow down. Be able to find a place where we can be able to, to be still and know your God to allow you to lead and to guide us. And Lord, I just ask, Lord, that you would just put help us to open our eyes so that we know that there are people around us that need leadership, that need answers, that need what we've got, and help us to be willing to share it. May you bless each person that's listening today, everyone in our cars, those on the radio, those on Facebook, and those that's present here. May your Holy Spirit just abound. And may you today just be at work so much in our lives that we're different, that it's noticeable that we're your followers. I pray your blessings now in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, it's